Welcome to Iron Sharpens Iron, a program by Catholic men for Catholic men. I'm Matt Palmer with Catholic Men's Ministry, one of your co-hosts, and I'm blessed, as always, to be joined today by my co-host, my wonderful friend, dear brother in Christ, Devin Shad, with Fathers of St. Joseph. Devin, good morning, brother. Good morning. How's your day going out there? Are you having a blessed day? I'm having a blessed day. There you go. We are so excited uh, for the men that are listening to uh, to introduce to all of you uh, another uh, wonderful dear brother in Christ, Brian Pusateri. Uh, and we're going to hear Brian's uh, incredible story here in just a few minutes. But Devin, would you open us uh, this program and just ask the Lord to just invite and come into this conversation and join us, please? Yes, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Abba, Father, we're so thankful that you have claimed us as your sons, that you've given us election in Jesus Christ, that you've given us salvation and an eternal destiny of glory and bliss and rapture that will never end. And we thank you, Jesus Christ, that you sacrificed yourself in order for us to obtain this great gift. We pray that you would open the floodgates of grace during this conversation, that we would just be overwhelmed with your power and your love and be so inspired to give our lives completely and utterly back to you. So thank you for this opportunity. Lord, just open our minds and our hearts for you are the way, the truth, and the life. We ask all this in Jesus's most powerful name and Mama Mary and St. Joseph, please intercede for us. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you, Devin, so much. Listeners, I'm so, we're so excited to introduce Brian Pusateri to you. And Brian, um, just let's take the first few minutes here to just let you kind of just introduce yourself and maybe go back and share a little bit of your your faith journey, your story of, of how our Lord has reached out to you, and um, just give, give our listeners a, a, an introduction to you. Well, thank you for inviting me onto the show today, and and I'll try to do a very quick recap of, I guess, of 64 years of life and <laughs> condense it into a few minutes. But uh, I'm a lifelong Catholic. I'm married to Mary Beth. She and I have had seven children, two of whom we miscarried and are now with God, and five he continues to leave in our care. They're all uh, young, uh, grown adults, and we have uh, 10 grandchildren. Praise and, God. Um, I think the story of my ministry, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a little bit of current and then we'll go back. Uh, but the real beginning started in September of 2011. And in 2011, I asked my pastor what I thought was a very simple question one day. And, and I said, and I was involved in Curcio and some people weren't coming to the local meetings that we were having. And I said, Father, can you tell me why, why do you think that they're, they're not showing up? And he said, Brian, give me about a week to pray on that, and then let's get back together. And that time went by, and we got back together. And he said, Brian, he says, you may not realize this, but every single person has a ball and chain of some area of sinfulness around them. And when someone says, I can't come because the meeting's at 7 o'clock at night or at 6 o'clock at night or it's on a Thursday or a Wednesday, that's usually never the real reason. There's something underlying that. And he says, so if you're going to be successful in, in ministry, you're going to have to understand that everyone else has a ball and chain around their ankle, and you do too, Brian. And those were very piercing words. 
And, um, and with that, though, we talked more. He suggested I go on this silent retreat. And so I, I made a silent uh, Catholic retreat, an eight-day retreat in November of 2011. And on that retreat, my life was forever changed. And I had three uh, specific encounters on that uh, with God and with Mary on that retreat. But the most meaningful of those was uh, really probably the first day that evening at night. Um, and I, I, like I said, I'm a lifelong Catholic. I had attended Catholic grade school and high school, but in between the two, I felt a temptation to enter into, um, uh, I felt called, I should say it's probably a better word to, to enter into the seminary for high school. And I, I went to, to look at the seminary in Toledo several times. I felt the calling, but I said no at that time. And, uh, later, I uh, broke up the relationship with my girlfriend in high school because I announced that I, I really felt called to go into the seminary, and I began making plans to do that following high school. So with that underpinning, on this first night of the retreat, I'm kneeling in prayer three in the morning, and God says, Brian, if you've ever wondered if I was really calling you into the priesthood all those years ago, I was. And it was just stunning silence at that point. And then I heard this. And Brian, make no mistake. You chose sex over me. And I knew he was right because I knew I wasn't up to the vow of celibacy. And I, did, and I knew that I wanted to maintain that relationship with my girlfriend. And at that point, you know, I made the decision not to pursue the priesthood. We got back together. And as I said, we've been married now for almost 45 years and have a wonderful family. But it's what God said to me next that made all the difference in the world. He says, Brian, even though you denied my call and you rejected my call, I blessed you abundantly. I blessed you with a great wife, a great family, good kids, good grandchildren, a nice career. But make no mistake, Brian, I'm still calling you. And at that moment, what I heard in my brain was a GPS saying, make a U-turn if legal. <laughs> you know, it's like God was saying, it's time to do a course correction. And this time I didn't want to screw it up. So that was, that was the first of the two nights that I would say second night was Mary affirming in the middle of the night. She says, Brian, if you wonder why Father Nick sent you here, it's because I told him to because I wanted you to have this encounter with my son. And then on the third night, when everything really took place, it was the third night of the retreat, kneeling in prayer, when God spoke to my heart with these words, Brian, if you want to heal, you have to tell someone you're broken. And with that, I began to cry. And I knew exactly what that meant. And so now, as Paul Harvey would say, and now the rest of the story. When I was a young altar server, Growing up in my local church, the first day that I served Mass, I was sexually molested by my pastor at the conclusion of the Mass in the sacristy of the church. And that became my best-kept secret for the next 42 years of my life. The only person that I had ever shared that with was my wife. I had never had the courage to tell my parents, who were at that time both deceased. I never told my older brother. And I held that in. And to the outside world, everybody thought I had it made. I was a married guy with a good family, good children, a nice job. 
But I knew that inside I was deeply broken by the events of that day. And those that the events of that day had manifested itself in my life in some negative ways. Um, uh, You know, having been sexually molested as a kid, I could just tell you that that messes you up for life. And um, bad behavior resulted from that. Lust was always a struggle. Unchastity for some years were a struggle for me. Uh, Porn was a struggle for me for a number of years. All as a result, as my psychologist has now made clear, of what happened to me as a young boy. Uh, But nonetheless, God put it on my heart, Brian, if you want to heal, you have to tell someone you're broken. And from that day forward, coming away from that retreat in 2011, my ministry, Broken Door Ministries, was born. And it began very um, innocently by me sending out a, a message of hope and inspiration to 15 men that I went to church with. And that message has now gone out for 10 years, and it's now being read by Christians of all denominations uh, all throughout the world. And I'm just amazed at the Holy Spirit with that. And then I began being invited in to give talks. And so I've been traveling the the country, putting on um, retreats called Blessed, Broken, and Scared. And I'll touch on that in a minute. But about the time that the ministry was just about being birthed um, by the Holy Spirit, I woke up one morning and I was blind. And after about a week of local, about a a period of time locally seeing doctors, I ended up at Duke Medical Center and was diagnosed with a very rare neurological disease that has permanently damaged my vision. I was blind for the better part of a year. Now I have some vision, but not enough to drive anymore. And, uh, And I'm losing the ability to walk as well. And um, that disability then gave me the opportunity to, uh, to do ministry full-time because I no longer was capable of doing the work that I had been doing for 40 years of my life. And so you wouldn't think of a, an illness as being a blessing, but it's proven to be. And so the last 10 years have, have been a, a process of sharing with others what God shared with me. If you're broken, It's not healthy to be broken in silence. It's not healthy to be broken alone. No matter what type of brokenness, whether it's grief, loneliness, whether you're dealing with abuse, whether it's financial struggles, marital struggles, or any other type of struggles that you may be dealing with. If you're struggling alone, you're not helping yourself and you're denying others the opportunity to be Christ for you. And so all of my ministry is built on this topic of the Last Supper. And as you know, at the Last Supper, Christ took the bread, he blessed it, broke it, and shared it. And he's taken each one of us. He's chosen us. He's called us by name. And he's blessed us abundantly. And of all of our blessings, mercy and forgiveness certainly are at the top of the list of our blessings. For without those, no other blessings would matter. And with those, we have the opportunity for eternal life. But sadly, we have to acknowledge that we're also broken. So we're taken or chosen, we're blessed, but we're flawed, sinful people. And our brokenness comes to us at two ways. And I like to say we're broken by our own sins, or we're wounded by living in a sinful world or wounded by the sins of others. And then we end up being blessed, broken, and scared. 
And blessed, broken, and scared is not Eucharist. It's just scared. And as long as we're afraid to admit we're broken, we can't get well. And we've been called since uh, St. Irenaeus in the first century to become Eucharist. That's been a Catholic teaching that most of us aren't that familiar with. We're called to become Eucharist. And um, I see, I think it's uh, St. Irenaeus wrote, when we drink the cup of the Eucharist in which wine has become Christ's blood, his blood mixes with ours and they become one. Equally, when we eat the bread, which has become the body of Christ, his body mixes with our body and they become one. So if we're going to be Eucharist, we need to be blessed, broken, and shared. And my whole ministry is that transformation like God put in my life, of going from being afraid to admit I'm broken to becoming healed by not pointing the attention to my brokenness, but by admitting my brokenness to bring glory to the forgiving power of God's mercy and love. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of that's kind of the ministry. Listeners, uh, I know we're all humbled by this. You're listening to Iron Sharpens Iron, a program by Catholic men for Catholic men. My name's Matt Palmer with Catholic Men's Ministry. I'm joined by my co-host, Devin Shad with Fathers of St. Joseph, in partnership with St. Gabriel Radio. And our guest on today's program is Brian Pusateri with Broken Door Ministries. Um, he's just shared powerfully kind of his journey. And, and Devin... Um, Really hard to know where to, to start, but just open to you to just kind of respond a little to how your heart has received um, what Brian has shared with us today. Well, at first I was just angry. <laughs> you know, it's just the idea that your first Mass is an altar server um, and, you know, hearing the voice of the Lord all those years later at this retreat that you were called to be a priest. I just get so angry, indignant, um, justifiably so, I think, um, that that happened. But this is the beautiful thing, you know, like it it reminds me of Joseph in the Old Testament when his brothers, they sell him to gum traders and he's enslaved by the Egyptians. And in the end, we know the triumph of Joseph. He's second in charge, the Abayit over the household. But when his brothers come to him and finally he confesses and reveals who he is, he says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And I, I, I see that in your life. It's like what this priest, if you can even call him that, meant for evil. God has this incredible way of weaving this incredible story of imprisonment. And, and like, jo- you know, Joseph, you know, the slavery to sin where you said the lust and the pornography and, the you know, all of this, the unchastity. And he, he loves to take those chains and just blow them up and then, and then reveal the glory uh, of the king inside. And um, that's what's happened here. Um, it's just really beautiful. I would like to know, like when, when you woke up and you were blind, what was your reaction? I mean, like really your real reaction, uh, you know, not knowing what was happening. Well, the first reaction is it's not good to walk in a wall and hit yourself in the head. You know, <laughs> I, uh, yeah. 
I got up in the middle of the night and went to the bath. So you go to the bathroom. I flipped on the light switch and proceeded to walk in. And when I ran into the wall, I realized the light never came on. And then I, I woke up my wife and I said, apparently the power's off. She goes, what do you mean the light's on? Uh, so from a humorous standpoint, the first reaction was, you know, when you can't see, it's hard to know where you're going. Uh, but in all seriousness, when I ended up in the hospital at Duke Medical Center, uh, and, and I always love to tell this story, I was laying in total blindness. And I had what I felt was a transfiguration moment. And at that moment, my wife was sitting next to me in the chair. I had the doctors that had been in and I couldn't even see the bright lights that they were shining in my eyes. I had no, it was utter blackness. And I realized that all distractions had been removed. And the only thing that I could see was the face of God. And I said, like the apostles did, Lord, I said to him at that moment, don't ever give me my vision back oh my because everything else has been removed but you. And much like the apostles wanting to build tents, he says, Brian, I'm not done with you yet, and I'm going to give you some of your vision back because I got work for you to do. Mm-hmm. So I've got it back, but in a distorted, messed up kind of way. But uh, it, I, it, from the very beginning, I saw it as a gift, and I've held it to be that ever since. So you weren't scared? I really wasn't. Mm-hmm. So, I really so, wasn't. So this idea of moving people from scared to shared, um, tell me about that. Like, how do you do that? Well, I think in, in, in the retreats, what I try to get people to focus on, I spend the early part of, of my message helping everyone in the group to understand that each and every person there is individually broken. And, you know, I asked for a show of hands early on. How many people are willing to admit that every time you go to confession, you find yourself confessing the same set of sins over and over and over again? Everywhere I've traveled all around the country to every church, every hand always goes up. (laughs) So at that point, what we're realizing, and I'll say to the audience, I mean, folks, you're the the ones that took time out of your schedule to come here. Many of you are your parish leaders and... um, you guys are the strong Christians in the group, and we've admitted that we've got recurring sin that we can't break free of. The reason that's important is because it helps everyone there to realize they're not unique in that regard, that they've got brokenness. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a song by the music group Casting Crowns called Stained Glass Masquerade. And that song concludes, am I the only one in church today feeling so small? And we've mm-hmm. lived our lives looking around thinking, I'm really broken and everyone else in this church isn't. When we can make the transformation to understand that everyone is broken, the meet, the retreat finishes on an uplifting note. And that says, yes, God's calling us to reveal our brokenness, but even more so than revealing ours is he wants us to realize that if we're going to be Eucharist to a starving world, what we need to go do is to help other people reveal their brokenness. And so we've got to begin living life intentionally, knowing that when someone says, I'm fine, it is never true. <laughs> and if you say to anyone, I'm, how are you doing? And they say, I'm fine. And you respond with, no, I really care. How are you today? They're going to come back with a response like, well, we did have to put my mother-in-law 
in the nursing home or, yeah, my brother just got diagnosed with cancer or I've got a son or a daughter that's dealing with a drug addiction. If we go out of our way to help other people reveal what's on their heart, God will in time put us in the right place in the right time to reveal our brokenness. I'm so struck with um, the parallel to confession, you know, that as we, as we acknowledge before our Lord our sin, it's that, it's that acknowledgement that allows him to work and to heal and to bless and to forgive. And he, it's just the way that he works that we have to, we have to bring our brokenness out and share it. And I love, I love your question, Devin, because it's, um, it's so powerful moving from scared to shared. And, you know, I want to go back to something earlier and invite uh, maybe Devin to reflect on this first and then Brian, but all the way back to when you're, you're as a, as an adult, when your pastor recommended that you go on a silent eight day retreat. Mm-hmm. And if we think back about your journey, it was really there in the silence with our Lord that you began the process of healing. And I know that a lot of Devin's ministry is also encouraging men to to get silent with our Lord, to spend time each day in silence, because that's when we begin to to hear him and it's when we begin to trust him enough to reveal our brokenness and that he can begin to speak into our hearts. Devin, could you kind of take that amazing retreat where the Lord was speaking to Brian in a very overt way and encourage the rest of us that we may not always hear him in that way, but that silence is often the beginning of our, of our healing journey with our Lord. Well, yeah, I, I mean, generally it is, it's, it's almost like a second step, isn't it? Somebody like lures us in or invites us into something or someone awakens us to a reality that is there, but we haven't seen. And then we enter the silence in eight days. Wow. Uh, that's, that's amazing. I think what I love about it is Brian, you were 53 years old at the time. If I'm getting that right, you're 64 years now. That was in 2011. Um, so that you're like 53 years old. So, you know, I think that this is huge because a lot of us, I think at that age, look at our lives and we think, Oh, it's over. You know, I'm on the downside. I'm, I'm in decline. Um, there's nothing left for me. You know, I've pretty much tried everything and my life is pretty much banal and just like everybody else. And yet here it is at 53, you've had this eight day silent retreat where you hear the Lord, you hear the blessed mother, and then your life has changed. And so it's not no decline, no downhill slope here. It's all uphill, especially with the suffering. And I I think that that is a message that we all need to hear is that it doesn't matter how old or how young you are, God has a mission and a plan for you. And it's so important that we overcome fear, which is F-E-A-R, feelings and emotions attacking reason. Anything that is a passion that is attacking our, our emotions or or attacking our ability to logic, to reason with the mind of Christ is from the devil. And so it's so beautiful that you're able to, in a sense, get to that place where you're silent and then the fears kind of come up, but you're able to deal with them. And the fear is, I missed my calling. 
I, I'm calling you to the pre. I was calling you to the priesthood, Brian, and you said, "Make no mistake, you chose sex over me." I mean, I t- talk about, I, man, I would be floored and probably fearful, and yet, oh, I, wa- I wanted to kind of evaporate at that moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yet you remain, and you remain in the silence, and then you get the second message. You know, well, even though you've denied me, even though you've rejected me. I still blessed you and abundantly, but I'm still calling you. And I think that that's the place where we all need to be. We all need to remain in the Lord. John uh, 15 is huge for me. Seven times Jesus says, abide in me. And that Greek word is meno, remain. And it's like he's pleading with us, remain. Why? Because he knows that we're going to get scared. He knows that we're going to flee. He knows or we're going to be tempted to. And he's saying, you just got to hold on to me. And it may seem impossible. It may seem just like this blindness or this neurological disease. It seems insurmountable. But guess what? I'm going to be glorified through this and I'm going to glorify you through this. And, And so I think that that's twofold. One is yes, the silence, but the silence is where we enter the place of fear because both the devil and God are there. And that's where we have to wait and wait and wait, may no, remain, remain, remain with the Lord to hear what he actually finally has to say because it ain't too late. He's calling each and every one of us. Mm-hmm. You know, that's beautiful, Devin. It- it is. It is. And um, it's almost, um, Brian, as if your physical challenges have become kind of this visible sign of your of, of our brokenness. Right. You're able to physically um, help us see the brokenness that we have on the inside. And um, I think you, you, you've become a, a, a living icon of our Lord and. Um, I'm just humbled by that. We're down to to really just a, a, a minute here. This is this has been Iron Sharpens Iron for our listeners. We're just so grateful that you've been on the journey with us today. We're a we're a program by Catholic men for Catholic men. Uh, Catholic men's ministry here in Columbus, um, in conjunction with Fathers of Saint Joseph and Saint Gabriel Radio, have produced this program, and uh, we're so grateful today that. Brian Pusateri of Broken Door Ministries has just shared his incredible story of, of God's faithfulness and love and call in his life. Brian, if listeners want to get to know a little bit more about you, direct them to how they can do that. I would say there's one of two ways that they can uh, find us on the Internet. If they go to Broken Door Ministries, that's plural, brokendoorministries.com, that'll get to the overall website. And then if they are interested just in the weekly message and podcast that we produce, it's at fourthdayletters.com. Great. Men, thanks for joining us. Have a great day. Brian, thank you so much. Devin and I are are just so um, inspired by what you've shared. Have a blessed day. Thanks for your ministry to us. God bless, everybody. (laughs) 